0: From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Banker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week as we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives on men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So this is Q&A hour, and I'm going to do something a little different than I normally do. I'm going to only read two questions, two emails, um, because they're long and they're involved and I want to address them and I want to read them in full to you. And I thought it would be too much to try to do that with a bunch of other questions. So this particular episode, is just going to cover two questions. One's from a man named Mark and the others from a woman who's asked to remain anonymous. So I'll get to hers in a moment. I'm going to start with Mark's and he was responding to a post that I had done on Facebook. Hold on here, let me find it. Um, I didn't write a whole article on it. I just I posted this interview that the podcast, well the podcast is called The Roommates and they interviewed Jordan Peterson and the title of their video is Jordan Peterson shares the shocking reason why men today are single. And it's um, it's on YouTube and you can listen to that, obviously, when this is over, if you like. Um, and I wrote on Facebook that I am a big JP fan, no doubt, but that I wasn't confident he understands the scope of what's happening with the modern dating market today. And although I agree wholeheartedly that single men, which was his point, hating on women as a group is just a huge waste of time and their energy should be spent becoming the best version of a man they can be rather than just complaining, like, Completely agree on that, of course. So, essentially, he 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 the answer to the answer to the question on Jordan Peterson's part was: Look, you can look at this individually, or you can look at this collectively, and he chose to uh, look at it individually and take each person as a separate case. Again, which is great. I I like to do the same thing. However, there is no question that there needs to be an acknowledgement of what is. What has happened in a more generalized sense. So that was my point of my post, and this gentleman, Mark, was responding to that, um, and and had what I thought was a a really important um, observation. So I'm I'm going to read it now. Uh, he opens well. Women have a very incomplete understanding of men, and the converse is also true. That is unavoidable, but and then he explains kind of what happened in the last 40 years. Feminists launched a campaign launched on a campaign to transform women. Transform them into what? Transform them, transform them into men. Isn't that odd? It's actually insane. But that's the objective they chose and they've been following. Here is what that has revealed. Feminists in particular and women in general do not understand male hierarchies. So what they've done is take a few easily recognizable pieces from that picture and claim that they know everything about men and they're going to adopt it as their own. Unfortunately, they have no idea that what they're seeing and what they don't know is how the system operates. Hence, the ingrained motivation for women to, quote, choose a man at or above her status, that's hypergamy, has been destroyed because women don't understand male status. They only see the trappings of status let me explain. When a man earns his diploma, whether that's a college degree or a vocational certificate, that does not confer status on him. That is simply a starting point. The man has applied himself and learned something that might be useful. He has not, however, gained any status. Women have interpreted a nearly meaningless piece of paper as being a profound indicator of status. It is not. Every man knows that. Every man chuckles when a woman shoves her diploma in his face and proclaims that she now has status. Sorry, ladies, you don't. The female hierarchy is very different from the male hierarchy. You can't just leap from one hierarchy to the other, especially by focusing on something that has absolutely no value to your customer, men. Women demonstrate profoundly every day that they have no clue how the male hierarchy works, yet they pretend they are winning at the game. Society has encouraged them in this losing game. I have worked at small companies and large. Companies have promoted leagues of women up the ladder to, quote, show they are progressive and value women. Meanwhile, there are at least 10 better qualified men for the positions than the women who get them. What rational person would stay and play that game? Women now focus almost exclusively on diploma as the indicator of a man's status. And they are completely puzzled why men don't value their diploma. The answer is right there in plain sight. Diploma is not how you achieve status or value. Every man knows that. Competence and achievement are what produces status, not diploma. This is why women have so much trouble finding a, quote, suitable man, because they've lost their way entirely in using the male hierarchy to rank order men for their selection. This is a very recent development. There are a great many men who are at or near the top of a hierarchy who do not have a college or other diploma, degree or other diploma, because diploma isn't how male hierarchies work. However, because the diploma is missing, women rank such men as worthless. Women think diploma is the magic key. It isn't. I, uh, I, he ends with, I applaud the work you do. Perhaps my brief discussion has provided, with, provided you with an additional information regarding your concern about women not finding high enough status men. The road ahead is long and difficult. Okay, so because in in that, if you watch that interview with Jordan Peterson where he's talking about the quote unquote shocking reason why men are today are single, um, he focuses again on the individual as opposed to that more generalized, you know, backing up and saying, "Hey, what's happened over the past thirty or forty years?" Which this gentleman Mark just did, and he's comp- he's he's identifying what has happened. With women's approach toward dating and their own quote unquote empowerment with respect to education careers, thinking that that is somehow making them more attractive to a man, when in fact, the reality is that hypergamy is still a very real thing. And this is where we're going to have a massive problem, and we already do have it now, and it's just going to continue that way as long as women are the ones out earning men and are on college campuses at a much higher rate than men are, which is which has already happened, happening. So th- that new reality is still going to bump up, bump up against male and female nature, which does not change, and it will never change. And so I thought his analysis was particularly astute because he's pointing out that women are sort of playing a game that that they're not understanding has no relevance when it comes to marriage and dating. So, again, thinking that somehow becoming, you know, um, more educated on paper, right, just just by having these diplomas, as he's saying, is somehow a, a feather in their cap, and it just isn't. It just doesn't matter. A man just really could could not care less whether or not you've got that. That's not what he's looking for. It's certainly helpful to um, have somebody who's smart and engaged and a great thinker and a great communicator. Absolutely. But you don't need a degree for that. And a man isn't going out looking for that. I mean, looking for your degree or your job title as, as evidence of that. So that's a disconnect between men and women that I thought it was very, wise of Mark to acknowledge, especially the way he did. So that's why I wanted to read that one. Okay. And like I said, this other one is from, well, I can't say her name, but it's a woman. And I want to read pretty much the whole thing to you. There's a lot in here. My name is, oh, sorry, scratch that. Hi, Suzanne. Uh, My name is blank, and I am 23 years old. I have a few questions I would appreciate your input on. I have been in a committed relationship with my boyfriend for almost a year, and we are now looking for an apartment to move into together. We have both dated others before, but this is the first serious relationship for both him and me. My boyfriend possesses just about all the qualities I want in a future husband and the father of my children. He takes the lead in the relationship. He has started off a great career and is a very hard worker. He's mindful of money. He's physically healthy. He has close male friendships and a great relationship with his mother and family. We have a traditional dynamic in our relationship, which I love, and it feels natural to me to be myself and in my feminine energy around him, to receive his love and to care and and to let him lead. My first concern is about marriage and its importance. We both come from broken homes. I want to do everything in my power to make sure this doesn't happen to us slash me. My parents divorced after being married for 20 years, which I now am certain was mainly due to my mother's working full-time while having three children, even though my father was a CEO. Her working bewildered me greatly since there was really no financial need. My parents are on good terms, but the ill-functioning second half of their marriage and the divorce has definitely scarred me and my brothers. My boyfriend's parents are separated and in my boyfriend's family, no one has gotten married prior to having children, usually waiting until their late 30s or 40s before even getting engaged. Early on, I let my boyfriend know that I wanted to be married and have children, in that order specifically, before the age of 30. Initially, he was a bit shocked. He had planned on, or more so had a general idea of having children around age 35, which would be very problematic since we're the same age, and to maybe get married after having children like they have in his family. When discussing it, his view was that being married prior to having children shouldn't be required and that having children out of wedlock isn't a big deal. I understand why he would think that way since that's what he's grown up with, but I made it clear to him that having children before being married would make me feel unloved, used, and disrespected. I frequently see people on social media being proposed to after becoming pregnant or after having their first child, and I cannot help but feel sad and slightly embarrassed for them. I do not want that. My boyfriend has agreed to getting to us, to us our getting married early on before turning 28. We both agree that the man is the one who proposes. No discussion needed there. He has made it clear to me that he wants to spend his life with me and that if being married young is what it takes, that that's no problem for him. I do feel like we agree now, but it's scary to imagine being 29 or even 30 and not being married yet. I have promised myself not to ever nag him about it and only to bring it up in a way that is loving and understanding since I want him to propose on his own and not because I'm forcing him. So my first question is, can I really trust that he will keep his promise about proposing, and how will I know that he won't change his mind? Also, how do I handle the situation if we reach that age and he hasn't proposed? If I remind him by them, it will feel like it's my decision and I want it to come from him. Ideally, I would like to not bring it up further and let him make the decision of when exactly himself. Secondly, my boyfriend's father was an alcoholic and physically abusive. His parents separated, they weren't married, when he and his sister were three and four years old. He has not been in contact with his father since age 12. His mother is remarried, and his stepfather has been his father figure since my boyfriend met him at age eight or nine. He is, my boyfriend is currently in therapy to deal with the depression he has had in his teens as well as the OCD and OCD he's dealing with today. A part of me worries that his father's abuse has subconsciously scared him out of having children or will impede his fatherly abilities, or even worse, that he somehow has inherited his father's ways. My boyfriend is a wonderful person with no signs of addiction or abuse, but I have heard of people changing completely when they get married. Question two is, do you think worrying is completely unnecessary? I felt a need for someone to clear him and ensure that he will stay the loving and caring person he is before we have children. I feel unsure to talk with him about it because I don't want him to feel like I'm attacking or blaming him for something that was not his fault. Finally, my boyfriend supports the fact that I am not career focused, which is crucial to me. i brought up my concern about becoming a drained, depressed, and resentful by focusing on my career like my mother was and I have, and that I plan to have a job but not a career. Question three, how do I bring up the fact that I want to be a stay-at-home mom for a period of time in the best way possible? It feels quite far ahead since I want to wait a few years before having kids, but I also feel like it's important to start planning and saving up for it early on. Okay. Then she summarizes her questions in the end. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so let's go back to the beginning. Um, nothing in that opening in, in, in the way you described him or the relationship is of any concern. It all sounds really great. If you go back to the very beginning um, where it started to get questionable is in the third paragraph when you, wrote a, when you wrote about marriage and its importance. One of the things I've always said that I do not think gets any attention at all is that the person that you're going to marry needs to have the same view of marriage as an institution as you do. This is a lot more important than people think. Because at the end of the day, if you if you don't see marriage in the same way and you don't prioritize it in the same way and you don't put the same weight on it as the other person then the person who's less committed to marriage as an institution is going to be the one who's going to put in less effort i mean that's just that's just a given if you your mindset is what's going to carry you and if you always have one foot out the door or if you feel like you can leave at any time because it's just marriage isn't that big of a deal, we can always get divorced or whatever, that person who's carrying that with them is going to put in less effort. You can, you can just be guaranteed of that. So that does need to be addressed, especially since his family is made up of non-married people. And so... To suggest that that's nothing or that's not an issue is is silly. It is, and it needs to be discussed. I'm not saying that's a deal breaker. I'm saying that has to be figured out and rectified. It's you're not overthinking it. The fact that you both come from broken homes, do I think that means you can't, you know, be successful? No, I don't. I don't think that. I think whoever, I think anybody can create any family that they want if they do not want to repeat what they grew up with. And if that's, I mean, that's certainly the case for my husband and and, and me. We, we, that's probably what carries us the most at the end of the day is the, the takeaway that we each had from our upbringings and wanting so desperately to do it differently. And I think we succeeded in that, not because we're great or special or it was easy for us, but because that was always at the forefront of our mind. So it matters. Um, Okay, so then the second part of your question where you asked about, can I really trust that he will keep this promise about proposing down the line? Um, I'm really nervous, and I don't feel certain that if I wait five years from now, he's going, wait, not five, how old are you? 23. Yeah, but yeah, that five years from now, it's going to all work out the way you've planned. There is one huge impediment to that. Not, let's see, let me say that differently. There's one reason why you're so unclear on that. One reason. And that's because you're living with him. You're already living with him. You know, two of the things that I work on with people who are who reach out for relationship coaching for me, who are um, in the dating stage, they're shocked because the two things I tell them are something that no one's going to tell them: stop having sex so quickly, or basically just stop having sex at the beginning of a relationship. Because I, that's what I end up having to tell people when they've just met someone. And they want to make sure it's going to work out. That's rule number one: is stop sleeping with them, or don't sleep with them if you haven't yet at the very beginning. And number two: don't ever, 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 ever live with him. These are two very non-culturally, yeah, very two very big, large countercultural um, pieces of advice, for lack of a better word, and and people are shocked when they first hear it. They don't realize that. They're undermining their own efforts of getting what they want by their own actions. And they don't realize that their actions are undermining it because no one ever told them that. So they're kind of they're first kind of shocked when they hear it. And they're like, what, what's what? What? And I'm I'm hard and fast about that because that's what's going to tell you at the end of the day whether or not this is going to work out, because your insecurity about that is because you're already playing wife you're already basically married. So unless you're living in separate places and he has to decide on his own whether or not you're the person for him and he has to sort of come and get you, if you will, he has to ask you to marry him and then he can live with you. That's gonna, that's gonna make the whole process go very quickly and he's gonna have to decide. And if he doesn't want it, then great, then you're not wasting time. You move on to the next one. But as long as you're living with him I cannot make you feel secure at all. There is no answer to feeling secure. I mean, you basically said, how can I trust that he will keep this promise? You can't, you absolutely cannot. And so the only way you can figure that out is to, is to move out and move on. And if he wants you, he can come and get you. I mean, that's, that's how it works. And I don't know. It's just really frustrating because it's so crystal clear. Um, when you come from a different place where people didn't do this in the past and we didn't have these problems that modern couples are having. And every single time I have somebody do it, it works out in their favor. It doesn't mean they work out, it works out in, the, in that they end up with that person necessarily, but they determine very quickly whether or not that person is all in or not. And you don't have time to waste. I don't want you to waste five years living with him, only to find out that he's not going to marry you. The only way to stop that is to move the hell move the hell out. Okay. And then your bigger your bigger. Um, well, you had two more things. This this next one is you were talking about the, the, her, your boyfriend's father being an alcoholic and was abusive. Yeah, that's a big deal. That is absolutely a big deal and it's not something to dismiss and it's not a reason not to marry him it's neither one it means he needs to be addressing that uh, which sounds like he is um and i would never want you to discount somebody because of their background that doesn't make sense the question is where are you going where is he going and what is he doing about it um and and and, when and and then assessing his character for a period of time um and listening to him when it comes to that issue, there's no way to know in advance what kind of father or mother anybody's going to be. So I can't give you any guarantee of what he's going to be like as a father. You don't, you don't know. He doesn't even know. And certainly I don't know. All you can do is um, do the best you can beforehand in determining where he is with it. Is he well, is he mentally well or not? And if he's still grappling with a lot of stuff, Um, I don't know. I don't have a hard and fast answer for that because I don't want to say, you know, you shouldn't marry him because I would never say that they, that I would never say that most people are bringing something to the table of that nature, but you you definitely want to address it beforehand and, um, come to some sort of assessment of what's happening before you, before you do marry him. If you do. And then your last one was How do I bring up that you want to be a stay-at-home mom when your children are young and that you want to work part-time after the children are ready to go to school? That's an easy one. You just tell (laughs) him. You just tell him flat out. And he either agrees and likes that idea or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, that is a problem. That's a giant red flag. So many people are not having the conversation about what they're going to do with the work and family dilemma once kids come along prior to getting married. And that is the time to discuss it and get it on the table right away. What do you foresee for your future family and work? How is that going to go down? Because if you want this, what you just described, being at home for X amount of years and working part-time, you're right. You do need to financially plan ahead for that. And that can be done. And that's why so many people get stuck down the road because they're not planning in advance. And then they really do need the two incomes because they've, they've made decisions that that demand it. And then they, it's much, much harder to extricate themselves from that. So that, that last question we asked is just very easy and it shouldn't be something that you're nervous about asking. If you're nervous about asking that, then that should say something about the relationship. It's very unsteady uh, and you're not feeling secure. And I would say that that again goes back to the fact that you're living with him. Get out, move out, D- have a relationship in separate places and have the conversations about all of these things from a distance. And if you don't get the answer that you want, then that tells you all you need to know because that is not a fixable situation. If his values are, Oh yeah, we're going to have dual careers, put our kids in daycare and make all the money in the world that we can. That's one value system. And it does not match what you have written here that you want. So, um, I think that's all three. I think I got all three of those. Um, Yeah. Some of those questions were easier than others, but I wanted to read it. I wanted to read all all of that because that was so detailed and helpful. And I know there's a lot of other people who are in that boat or in a similar boat, maybe, maybe one thing, but not all three things. And so I wanted to answer it in a much more public way so that more people than just you, um, I'm not going to say your name, um, heard the answer. So hope that helps everybody. And, um, yeah, until next time. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker show before you leave us, I'd appreciate it if you'd take one minute to give us a review at Apple podcasts or whatever platform you use. If you've done that already, or if you can't leave a review on your podcast player, for some reason, please consider sharing the show with a friend or a family member. Word of mouth is the primary way we get the word out about the Suzanne Venker show. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great week.